Great. So the, the first session after tea, uh, we've got uh, Ian Marshall uh, to give us a regulatory sort of update. Um, whilst I think most of you sort of know, my name is Peter. I'm not Paul. So unlike Paul, I won't tell you about the latest on my love life or what TV I'm watching. Um, but I will try and keep the CV short. Uh, in fact, uh, we also had polls earlier, and I actually wondered, maybe we could start with a poll. Is there anyone here who does not know Ian Marshall? Okay, you're all being politically correct. No one's put up their hand yet, so, so we're lucky there. Um, but just very quickly, I've summarized his half page uh, down to, as I think everyone knows, Ian is the head of uh, department of SAM at the FSB. So he's been responsible for all those impact studies and everything that we've largely been talking about. Before that, he was at the FSA in the UK, and he, in his role, he continues to be very active in the International Association of Insurance Supervisors. And of course, Ian is a qualified actuary, which is just as well. Okay, I'll leave it at that, Ian. Can you take it from there? Thanks. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much for the, uh, for the introduction. Uh, so the good news uh, today is that I'm only up for 15 minutes, so you won't have to uh, listen for me too, uh, for too long. And I was, I was actually uh, noting earlier in the, uh, um, uh, in, in the agenda that in terms of the time allocated, 1,100% uh, of the time in the uh, well, in the agenda, there is 1,100% more time allocated to practical issues relating to SAM rather than just the boring SAM update. So I think that is actually a very good, um, a good indication uh, of, of what was actually said on the panel earlier, is that you know, it's not becoming a SAM issue anymore. It's becoming a, you know, how are we dealing with this issue? And it's becoming part of, of business as usual. So, so I did actually see that as a, as a very a very good sign that we've only got uh, a very short uh, uh, session on, on this. Okay, so, so what am I going to cover? Um, I know in the, in the agenda it says something about tax and, and reinsurance, and I will uh, touch on tax and reinsurance. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to give a quick update on where we are and what we need to do this year. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to ask people to put up their hands, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm sure many of you, maybe, have seen that there is an insurance bill which has been released by, by National Treasury. Um, okay, so, so what, what does this insurance bill mean? This is effectively the, um, you know, the, the primary legislation, so the, the, what will become the new Insurance Act. Um, and and, and this, is the, this is the bit that needs to go through Parliament um, in, in order to, uh, to, to, to get SAM implemented effectively. Uh, but as, as you will know, um, because I'm sure you've all, all read through it, uh, it's a bit wider than just SAM. Uh, so it also actually uh, allows for the, for the whole micro-insurance framework as well. So, so this insurance bill, which will later become the Insurance Act, uh, will, will also, as I say, uh, allow for, for, for the micro-insurance legislation to hang off that. Um, what's very important is that it is uh, what we call framework legislation. So it, it really just is the framework um, of which the rest of SAM is going to hang. Um, so it doesn't go into large amounts of detail about what is uh, 
you know, what, what, what the details of the calculation are, what the details of the governance requirements are, the detailed reporting that's required. Um, but what is in there um, is, is all the, the bits that actually enable that. Um, so, so you'll see a lot of the registrar may prescribe this, may prescribe that. Um, okay, so, so, so that's the insurance bill. And uh, I must say we, we, we are making good progress with that with, uh, with National Treasury. And there's, there's quite a lot of uh, um, you know, buy-in from National Treasury to get this through the parliamentary process. So effectively what's happening is that that bill is out now. Um, and that uh, is basically open for comments until the end of May. Uh, once we receive the comments, we'll work through the comments, make the necessary changes that we need to make, um, and then take that through the parliamentary process. Uh, the idea is that uh, if there aren't any substantive changes, we will then take that through to Parliament uh, in, in June. Uh, it's also worth saying that we're working quite closely with the industry associations to, to understand the concerns that there are within the bill, uh, so that we can, we can start working now already on addressing any potential issues that there are. Okay, so I said the insurance bill, if you'd like, is the, the framework of which the rest of SAM uh, will, will, uh, will be uh, situated. Uh, now, the, that rest of SAM will come through in, uh, in the form of secondary legislation um, or subordinate legislation that's also been referred to. Uh, so we're busy working on a, a plan to get all of the, uh, this, this legislation out, um, but just to give you a heads up on, on what it is effectively going to look like. Uh, the plan at the moment is to have three different tranches in which to release this. So the idea is that the first tranche uh, will focus on the pillar two issues. Um, so I know in the previous section there was a lot of talk about Board Notice 158, but effectively what we'll do is we'll leverage off Board Notice 158, because that has got a lot of the, uh, the requirements in, the, in there already. Uh, but but, but some, of the, some of the things that are not in there, um, so for example, uh, the also, uh, some requirements around risk appetite, um, some of the uh, governance requirements for groups, uh, governance requirements for uh, branches, that, that will also uh, be added effectively to that. Uh, but that's the first tranche uh, of subordinate legislation that we want to release. Uh, the next tranche will focus on Pillar 1. So, so effectively what we'll be doing over there is taking the uh, quantitative impact study uh, specifications, uh, building onto that the latest uh, position paper positions, and also where we've made changes to the comprehensive parallel run uh, to, to bring that all in together and then to, to release that as the second set of subordinate uh, legislation. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, tranche three, which is uh, commonly referred to as the rest. Uh, but effectively, that will have in there all the, uh, the, the forms, um, so including, for example, the reporting forms and uh, uh, processes around applications and, and things like that. Um, once again, even though we're releasing that last, uh, there, there is already quite a lot of detail out um, that we released earlier this year in terms of what we will be uh, expecting uh, from, from the QRTs. Okay, um, you, you will notice that uh, there are no dates next to those. Um, that is, uh, it's specifically been left out because uh, we're just in the process of uh, getting internal agreement around what the release dates of those will be. 
um, and we'll put that in uh, the SAM update that we're busy drafting. Um, but uh, effectively, uh, you know, we, we, we are working at getting everything in uh, by, uh, by, by the end of October. And it's just worth saying that th this will all go through a, a um, consultation process as well. Okay, um, then turning around to, to SAM implementation, uh, I think most of you will know that we are currently busy with the, uh, with the comprehensive parallel run. Uh, so I think we're making some, some good progress in that. Um, I'm, I'm not actually going to talk too much about it, but as you know, it uh, involves both the solo reporting and group reporting. And then in addition to that, mock also, um, there will also be some qualitative reporting requirements and there's a survey on audit requirements as well. So I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm not going to go into detail about that because I'm sure you all know about that. Um, I think something which is uh, very important from, from our point of view is to, to work on our implementation internally at the, at the FSB. Uh, so we've uh, got quite a lot of uh, internal training planned for this year and, and effectively what we're doing is we, we're actually leveraging off the comprehensive parallel run returns that we receive and we're using that uh, in, in our own training program. So effectively what we do is we have some some training to our staff uh, before the, the, the data becomes due. We get the data, we have a chance to analyze that, and then we have open workshops with our staff in terms of what they mean, you know, where the numbers look funny, why, why is this bigger than that, or why has it grown so much, why has it, uh, it gone smaller? You know, so, so effectively to, to actually use the comprehensive parallel run as, as the live uh, test cases um, to, to train the, the supervision and and support staff. Uh, and then also uh, what we're spending quite a lot of time, uh, and we're doing this together with, uh, with our colleagues from the Reserve Bank, uh, where we will be moving quite soon, uh, is to put the right systems and processes in place to, to, to be able to, to use the same data in our ongoing supervision process. Now, so uh, we do have a process whereby we give a risk rating to each and every insurer and each and every insurance group um, and obviously to, to inform that risk rating process, we, uh, we will going forward be using the, the, the input that we get from, uh, from the SAM process. So it's actually building that into one, uh, one system. Okay, so I did promise to, to say a few words on, on taxation and reinsurance. Uh, firstly, taxation, uh, the, the timing is, is quite bad. <laughs> Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is that we, uh, the tax task group is, is working on uh, a proposal and it looks like that proposal should be ready at the next tax task group, which is at the end of this month. So I can't actually give you too much detail, um, but I'll focus maybe a bit more just on the process of uh, a process that we are following. Um, so some of you will know that we did send out some information requests. Uh, we also sent out some follow-up information requests, and we are actually also uh, conducting just a, a few meetings with, uh, with some of you, uh, just to get a bit more understanding around the uh, potential implications of, the, uh, of some of the proposals. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, the general agreement is that what we will do is use uh, an adjusted IFRS basis uh, for the valuation of liabilities uh, for the purposes of the tax calculation. 
Um, so we're not going to use uh, SAM basis, and uh, I think we've got uh, agreement from, from pretty much everyone around that. And of course, you know, ta tax is one of those things where, as a regulator, um, we are really agnostic in terms of the tax basis to the extent that it doesn't provide any prudential risks to the, uh, to the institution. Now, this is really more from a policy point of view. It's, it's more of a national treasury um, uh, issue that they need to deal with. And obviously, from an operational point of view, uh, it's, it's a SARS issue that they need to deal with. Having said that, um, you know, given the knowledge that we do have on the firms and also on the, the SAM structure and the different valuation bases, this is an area where we are getting involved with uh, just to make sure that uh, what comes out as I said, doesn't pose any uh, prudential risks. So, apologies um, if you were maybe a bit misled in the <laughs> in the program, but uh, at, at the moment that that is the the update that we have on the uh, taxation point of view. In contrast to that, uh, we have a bit more to say on reinsurance. Um, so, once again, I, I don't know how many of you will have seen. Uh, but while everyone was on their week off uh, between, between the two long weekends, uh, we did manage to get out uh, the long-anticipated reinsurance uh, discussion paper. Uh, so, so just to give a bit of background on the reinsurance discussion paper, um, so some time ago we uh, did uh, th th there was a, a, um, a study conducted looking at different views and different potential ways uh, of uh, looking at the reinsurance uh, issues in uh, in South Africa, um, and then following that, uh, the FSB looked at it internally, had many discussions, uh, looked at different options, uh, and uh, eventually came out with the discussion paper. Uh, so what, one of the reasons that it was very crucial to get this discussion paper out now is that some of the proposals in the discussion paper actually have knock-on impacts on uh, some of the things that are in the insurance bill. Um, so especially in terms of um, you know, who's allowed to write or, or conduct reinsurance business, uh, that needs to be allowed for in the, in, in, in the bill. Um, so it's quite good that this reinsurance discussion paper is out at the same time as the bill is currently out for comment as well. Um, our discussion paper is about 70 pages, so I'm not going to go through all of it, but I thought I'd maybe highlight some of the issues that, uh, that may be of interest. Um, if you want to uh, go through the paper, you are, of course, of course, more than welcome, and we would also um, welcome any, uh, any feedback. Um, okay, so there the are two things that I'm going to uh, talk about, which I think may be of interest. The first one is uh, that we are opening up the, the reinsurance market um, for foreign reinsurers that want to conduct reinsurance business in South Africa through, uh, through a branch structure. Um, so I, I think it's one thing saying that, but the devil's in the detail. Right. So if you're going to allow a branch, well then, what are the various uh, sort of requirements that you are going to place on that branch or on the foreign reinsurer which has got the branch? Um, so uh, 
the, the, the details in the paper, but I thought maybe areas that I'd highlight uh, um, in, in, in this session is that we would only allow branches from equivalent jurisdictions, and I, I say equivalent in sort of like, uh, you know, equivalent. Um, <laughs> so the, there is a process for determining equivalence or not in, in the paper. Um, but effectively what we're doing is we are saying to the uh, foreign reinsurer that wants to conduct the business that they need to show how their regulatory system under which they operate is equivalent. Having said that, um, there will be a number of uh, jurisdictions that we will then say, right, these jurisdictions are equivalent because obviously we don't want each and every company to come up with their own assessment, especially if they're from the same, same jurisdiction. Uh, okay, uh, the, the second thing to note is that um, we will place a requirement uh, on the branch to hold uh, technical provisions in, in a South African trust, and we do place some requirements around the trust, and, and there, there's some legal requirements in terms of access to the trust, especially if claims aren't uh, paid. Uh, we, or, there, there's no requirement to hold the capital requirement in South Africa, because it is um, actually part of the, you know, the, the foreign reinsurer. So the foreign reinsurer will hold the capital requirement in its own market. However, what we are asking for is uh, for a capital requirement to be calculated so that we can understand the risk exposures that that branch is writing and also reported on. Um, in terms of the governance arrangements, uh, so on, on the slide it just says proportional, but if you go into the detail, Effectively, the, the, the branch won't have a, a board or subcommittee of the boards, but many of the risk management functions, uh, fit and proper requirements uh, will, will still remain, uh, as well as some of the other control functions. So the control functions will still be there for the operation of the branch, uh, but there won't be any board. Uh, and then some of the board requirements uh, we have placed on, on the senior management of the branch. So it's a, as I say, it's one thing saying it's a branch of a foreign reinsurer, but you have to read that together with all the conditions that come with that. Um, it's also worth noting uh, that we, we said that there's no uh, reinsurance of linked liabilities allowed, and, and they, this is part of a, a few sort of wider changes that we are making to the linked insurance uh, regime, which, which you can read up in, in the bill. Uh, then, um, this has been a very interesting and, and tricky um, thing to deal with. Uh, but we do have a situation whereby, especially where we allow foreign reinsurers to operate in our market, we've got a bit of an unlevel playing field uh, in terms of, if, if you look at how the solvency calculation works for those companies that use the reinsurance, um, in that if you are a subsidiary based in South Africa, um, then you will have a sort of a, a ceiling on your credit rating due to the uh, sovereign rating uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, of South Africa. And, and we identified two problems when we started going through the credit ratings and understanding the credit ratings that would be used. Because obviously, as a direct insurer, you want to have a higher credit rating because that gives you a low capital requirement. Um, so, 
the, the, the two issues that we identified, and, and, and we tried to keep them separate in the, in the paper, is that there's one issue of, due to the sovereign cap, it's not possible to have a level playing field between a subsidiary based in South Africa and a foreign reinsurer, whether it conducts reinsurance through a branch basis or on a cross-border basis. Um, so, so, so that's one issue. Then there is a separate issue in that if you do have a foreign reinsurer that is conducting business in South Africa, there's actually more prudential risk if, any, if everything else was equal, right? There's more prudential risk because you've got less control over the um, subsidiary in terms of their ability to pay claims and, uh, and, and just transparency in, in terms of uh, the, 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 the foreign reinsurer. That, I mean, that's just simply because it's not in your market. So we've tried to keep those two separate. Now, for the first one, uh, what we try to do is uh, give an uplift in the credit rating. Okay, and, and obviously when I say an uplift to the credit rating, we're not changing the credit rating. You know, we, we can't do that. We just mean credit rating for the purposes of calculating the solvency capital requirement. So we give an uplift uh, to, to the South African subsidiaries. And, and we also looked at where uh, companies have got parental guarantees that they can use the credit ratings of the parent or whether they have uh, so-called novation agreements. Uh, on application, we'll also consider um, that they can then use the, uh, the parent's credit rating. Uh, so, so we've got that system. And then for the other system about the additional prudential risks of uh, conducting uh, reinsurance business through a, through a foreign, from a foreign company, we've also introduced the system of a sort of a downgrade that would be applied in terms of that credit rating. Um, so we've obviously looked at uh, a, a lot of live cases. The, the paper itself has got some potential impacts, although I must say they are estimated given the, the data that we did have from the Quiz 3 exercise. Uh, but I think this is a potential uh, solution of getting around that, as I said, the, on the one case, the, the unequal playing fields, in the other case, the additional risk. Uh, but, but once again, this is something that we would like uh, feedback on. Okay. And that is the slides that I had. I hope I didn't take up more than 15 minutes. Any questions? Uh, thanks, Ian. Uh, I should read the paper. I will. Um, reinsurance of linked liabilities. Does that include one linked policy not being able to invest in another linked policy, which is reinsurance, and it's not it's the intention to stop that. Yeah. So that's, that's the aim. Okay. Uh, Ian, two, two quick questions. The internal preparations the FSB is undertaking to, to get ready for SAM, are you guys looking at um, actually helping the industry prepare for what's likely to be a new approach um, by um, engaging with us in terms of what you're seeing through the CPR? Because I guess... I guess the CPR um, is exactly that. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parallel run. Everybody's learning through this process, um, uh, both in terms of what you're seeing in the numbers as well as the, the, the type of um, intrusion that we're likely to see going forwards. Um, and then just quick quick question on the um, adjustments to reinsure credit ratings. Yeah. Presumably the... Uh, 
additions to to um, credit ratings are subject. So the plus three notches, for example, is is subject to a cap of whatever the parent's rating is. Um, and 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 maybe just on this, how are we allowing for the risk, the, the effectively the correlation between the local entity and and our market? Because that's I mean from an internal risk assessment perspective, that's the thing that's that's worrying us with the local branch. Um, in in that we're saying we we need legal recourse to something outside of our our market. Where I mean, so now if you're talking one of the big parents internationally. You're in a different risk pool, a different universe of stuff that's affecting them. Completely different picture from a diversification perspective. So, I mean, how how does this talk to to that risk that you can find in in South Africa? Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So, in terms of the, the first question, um, uh, so so so, what we are doing in terms of our supervisory process. Is that with the with the move to the Reserve Bank, together with the Reserve Bank, we've been working on a, a new supervisory process. Um, and although the a, a lot of the steps will seem similar, um, some of the some of the detail of that will will differ. Um, now, my understanding is that we will consult on that what we're calling our supervisory blueprint. Um, I think that that's maybe a bit separate to uh, specifically on on the SAM issues of how SAM feeds into that. I mean, in in terms of the uh, interaction that we've had with insurers, it's uh, been pretty much on an ad hoc basis. Um, but I think it's a good idea to uh, to to report back, um, you know, general findings. So I know we did we do, for example, uh, quiz reports. I think maybe what we can do is also have a look at well. Um, releasing some industry statistics, if you'd like, similar to what we currently do on our quarterly, quarterly reports, just in terms of, you know, what the numbers are looking like, and so on. Uh, uh, is, is, is that the kind of thing that you had in mind, or...? And I mean, what, what I was thinking is, I mean, once, once you've sat down and had a look at the numbers and yeah. compared industry players, for example, um, actually come and do like, almost like a little mini dry run on-site, to say, hey guys, based on what you've submitted, this is what we see. Um, this is the picture it's creating for us. This looks funny. Help us understand why. Um, because I think, okay. I, think, I think we could learn from that as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I, I mean, I think we've done that on an ad hoc basis, but mostly where we had some real questions about the numbers. Um, but I'll, I will feed that back to... I think that's a good idea. Um, sorry, and, and then in terms of the, uh, the, the questions, so, so yes, um, one of the things that happens quite a lot in the short-term insurance market is that you get direct insurers that uh, conduct reinsurance business. And when we talked about this potentially capping it to the parents' credit rating, um, it then begs the question of well, what happens to the direct insurers writing outwards reinsurance because they either don't have parents, overseas parents, or they've got parents that are not based, well, e either they don't, they don't really have parents or they've got parents that are based in South Africa potentially. And what we're trying to do here is create a level playing field. So if we put in a cap up to the parents' credit rating, then, then that sort of falls over a bit. So, so we did consider that, but uh, decided not to, to include it. Um, 
And then uh, the other question was on the uh, in, in, in terms of the uh, concentration risk within South Africa. I, I guess on, on on the life side, um, so 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 on. Well, in, in terms of the local professional reinsurers, it's worth noting that they are all um, uh, subsidiaries of uh, international reinsurers. So I guess there is um, there, there, there's sort of two ways in which some of that risk gets gets transferred, especially on the short-term side. Um, a lot of the the risk actually gets retroceded back up to the group. Uh, so so the, so the short-term insurers and, and the stats are in in the in the report. They, they they tend to retrocede it back up to the group, not necessarily so much on the life side, um, but I guess on the life side. Um, as would be the case with a short-term side, um, you would get uh, quite a lot of, I guess, potential um, support from the parent if, if, there, if there were risks. I, I mean, you know, I guess it's a question if, if one of the you know, European, South African subsidiaries of European reinsurer is, is short, uh, I mean, you know, they, they are likely to get capital support from uh, from their parents. So I guess there, there is that way in which the risk does, um, you know, get shared with the rest of the world to some extent. But I'd say more so on the short-term side because they use a lot more retrocession.